How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. Plays it to the square. In front, Cameron can't complete the mark. He's got a free against Steen. Around he goes, and he's able to work it through with his right boot for the right result. Oh, Bobby Hill went for the spectacular. Didn't mark, but he wasn't out of it. He pats it forward to DeBoer, and still Hill comes, and it sits for him eventually. This had left them. Oh, what a fine goal from Bobby Hill to energise the Giants. He went searching for love in the crowd. He found his family somewhere. What a finals goal from Bobby Hill. Shane Mumford's right forward pocket. Mumford threads it through and they'll try to take the energy of that. But the court side taped up. He's did a long time and he got it right. He kicked his third. Tom Hawkins for a handful. He thumps it through. Five for Hawkins and he sends Geelong to another preliminary final. And the Cats bounce back to get through to a 12th preliminary final since 2004 an incredible achievement they've defeated the best the Giants could throw at them they had to work hard but they got there yeah it's satisfying we played better um, we knew we needed to but we have been a pretty consistent unit over a long period of time and have great confidence that our best footy is hard to beat and we were closer to that tonight there's a little bit of a circuitous route but where, where we want to be. It was pretty clear to us from late in the season that we were going to play our finals in Perth. Uh, so the equation's still the same for us, win three games in Perth. We're excited at that opportunity. The semi-final specialists, Geelong rebound from a first-up flop to book a seventh preliminary final berth under Chris Scott. And it will be a reprise against the Demons after the incredible events of round 23. Mark Blitzarves joins us. You know, we're under no illusions that uh, we need to improve to, to make sure we get back here again next year. And that's the challenge. We've been to finals five out of the last six years, but we ultimately haven't got to where we wanted to get to, and that's ultimately win the Premiership. So really proud that we've sort of um, not rebuilt, but just reset on the run with the number of young kids, as I mentioned before. And those guys have really surprised us a little bit. That, uh, but if they want a piece of the action, they've got to go away, rest up, and then come back with a good pre-season and, and stake their claim again. Has Toby apologised at all uh, for his actions last week and cost him a team um, in a big game? Oh, I think you're a bit harsh in saying that. We had a, uh, a number of players out. It's not just one player that cost the team. But in terms of his apology, absolutely. You know, He's in front of the group and clearly remorseful throughout the week. And It was an emotional you know, 10 or 15 minutes in front of our entire group throughout the week. It's just but we're not a club that's going to shy away from things. Um, you know, we need to, you know, work out the rights and the wrongs. Um, and we got it wrong last weekend and he puts his hand up. The Giants' epic road trip comes to an end. Wholehearted they were, but the absences proved costly and too much to overcome. We'll assess Leon Cameron's season against the odds. It is now meant that for season 2021, the Toyota AFL Grand Final 
will be played in Perth. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> Let's face it, this is, um, this is a significant part of my journey and it's been a long one. You know, 15 years coaching and, and the ability to uh, you know, be resilient and, and struggle and get up, fall over, get up, get up again. I think it's okay. I went through a massive process, um, contrary to some people's opinion. It was like panel interviews, question and answer, psych, executive testing. I was headhunted to Fremantle um, and I've had 13 years of audition. Collingwood completes its coaching process to broad acclaim, while Carlton continues to operate in a parallel universe. Plus, the grand final time slot and all the latest in the trade space. This is the semi-final edition of Crunch Time. The Cats by 35 points over the Giants last night, so one Half of the billing for the preliminary finals is set. Melbourne and Geelong. Tonight, it's the Brisbane Lions and the Western Bulldogs at the Gabba for the right to meet Port Adelaide as it finds down to the final four. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Justin Lepich is with me. Hello to you, Lepper. Hello, Jared. What did you think last night? It was, a, uh, well, it was a scrappy game early, wasn't it? It wasn't an overly entertaining game, but I think the result was ex- expected. I think it was with the outs and obviously the late out of Jesse Hogan it became even more evident that Geelong were going to run away with that game, and that's what ended up happening. It was pretty obvious what was missing when the Giants went forward, wasn't it? They were both there in the stands. Yeah, and they had the same amount of inside 50s. It was just the output going into the forward 50s, I think, was was the difference in the teams on the night. And it's very hard when you've got, you know, the the dominant forward line of Geelong at one end of the ground and then Geelong really missing their two most – sorry, GWS missing their two most potent at their end. It was really the game. Do you think Tom Hawkins took the defeat by Sam Taylor personally last time around? Oh, I think so. Wasn't he potent? I mean, two of his goals in that last quarter came off the back of really poor turnovers by the Giants and quick entries in gave him that one-on-one chance. But you're right. He, um, yeah, I think maybe he underestimated the young boy last time and uh, he definitely didn't this. Kane Corns is in place for crunch time. Welcome to you, Kane. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Yeah, no, it was a it was a bit of a flat game, wasn't mm. it, for three quarters? It certainly sprung to life in the first ten minutes of the third quarter, which made it a little bit interesting. But yeah, perhaps the, the Giants have sort of um, maxed out the week before, and, and Geelong, we knew were going to be much better. They couldn't have been any worse than they were against Port Adelaide the week prior. So uh, sets up a really fascinating prelim final in Perth, considering the last two times Melbourne and Geelong played. Did they do enough, Kane, to restore themselves as a threat to Melbourne in your eyes? Um, well, I think they'll take some confidence out of that round 23 game. What I thought they did do, they, they didn't allow themselves to get held up. So I thought they took a lot more risk with the football last night. A couple of times, you know, Cameron and Hawkins up the ground, rather than go back off the line and play slow like they did against Port Adelaide, the handball receive... Uh, I'm not sure the mark play on percentage. Leopard might have that, but um, it seemed a lot higher than it was the, the week before. They they didn't kick long down the line as much as they did straight into the hands of Aaliyah the week before. They'll have to play that way again. Uh, but, it, but I look at the matchups. I can't wait for Lever and May and how they combat Hawkins and Cameron, who were much better. And to get 10 goals out of um, Cameron, Hawkins, Radaglia and Rowan compared to the previous week. And when, when your good players play well, it's much, much easier, isn't it? So uh, I think Melbourne rightly will start favourites, but it's a it's a much more fascinating matchup than if it was Melbourne versus the Giants. Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet and it has been a remarkable week of news. It feels like that most weeks in footy and this is sort of maxed out on a few fronts. Welcome to you, Sam. Good to be here, Jared. G'day, Leopard. G'day, Kane. Yep, it was great to see Craig McRae and how impressive has he been throughout the week, the new coach of Collingwood? 
I tell you what, there's so much uncertainty about the Blues. We'll break it down later. But the way that the Collingwood have handled it, uh, it's been chalk and cheese, hasn't it? And just coming back to this game last night, personnel this time is such a huge part of it. And the Cats' social media account called it the Tom and Jerry Show. All the headlines for Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron. But I reckon rarely could you describe a player who had had only five touches and kicked one goal in his first game in three weeks as an absolute lock. But that's exactly what Asava Radigalier is going back up against Jake Lever again, who was so good in round 23 in the second half. And we know the story of Aaliyah earlier in the qualifying final. Do we imagine Brandon Parfitt's season is over? I think so, yeah. I mean, the door is was kept ajar by the coach last night, but uh, this is your stock standard. He said it wasn't a minor hamstring, so it's your three to four weeker. Uh, I don't think he's going to get there. I don't think Tom Stewart's going to get there either, even though they're keeping the door ajar for him. So that's a, that's a big loss, isn't it, for an engine room going up against the calibre that it is on Friday night in the prelim. So you've done some trade work for us on Crunch Time for later in the program? We have. We're going with a washing machine thing. Theme, oh, Jared, because we know we can get <laughs> things going of this leper. Well, you know, it's go- it's at least food. He, he's going away from the food. I'd like to see it. I love an analogy. I just think it's <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I actually, at least one thing I'll give you this year when this time in SEN is just the analogy and just keep running with the <laughs> So we've got our heavy duty items, Jared, of course. We've got our uh, express cycle. We've got our soaks, the ones that are going to take a little. Oh. And our delicates. You know, you've got to be oh, careful yes. with those delicates, Jared. <laughs> Excellent. I can't wait for it already. All right. So we'll dig deep into last night. Mark Blitzavs is going to join. Us. We'll talk the Giants, the season that they endured and where they find themselves. One season out of the final, straight back in, they win an elimination final. Are they going north or south from here? But let's start with the Cats, Kane and Lepper. So seven times to a prelim under Chris Scott, and then the broader stretch is absolutely extraordinary. 11 times in 15 years they've been in the final four. That's quite astounding, isn't it? And I'm sure Geelong supporters will still find a way to complain about that number because we just always just want premierships upon premierships. But one thing Chris Scott's been able to prove is over a long period of time, he's a highly successful coach. Uh, and, he, and he gives you that opportunity at the pointy end of the year. And that's all you can ask, I think, if you're a supporter of any team. Yeah, their, their premiership record isn't as solid given those numbers, but I'd rather be where Geelong's at in the last 10 years than if I was a Carlton supporter, for instance, or... Uh, any other team that's a Gold Coast supporter um, in the last 10 years, you'd rather take that, I would have thought. you just got to give yourself a chance, don't you? I mean, a phenomenal football club. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. They probably understated what they've done. Uh, every year, I think, oh, gee, this team's old. Uh, look at the age profile, You know, lack of draft picks coming through. They're going to have to drop off, and and they don't. I, I think, you know, at times, you know, the commentary out of Geelong this year has been a little bit questionable. It has been a bit bit grumbly and a bit whingy, um, but they continually front up and give themselves a chance at the business end. And they give themselves a chance again next Friday night. And this game, if a few things go their way and, you know, they get better performances out of Seld and Dangerfield, who's been flat for a couple of weeks, who knows what can happen. So all you got to do is front up year in, year out and give yourself an opportunity. And that's what they've done, which is remarkable was, over a long period of time. There was huge consequence sitting on last night, Kane, even more Massive. so. So they, they are used to walking this path, which is by their own hand sometimes. And sometimes they've just been outgunned in qualifying finals. But all by one year, they've they've... Um, found the resolve to rectify the sins of the previous week and progress. There must be, you know, that they must handle the pressure so well. I mean, because the record in those qualifying finals, I mean, this time last week we were saying, well, what happens if it's straight sets? And we had the same discussion the year before, Jared. I remember it vividly. But so they must be able to, you know, remove what's just happened and move on. And that clearly comes with experience and great leadership with amongst the playing group, a calm head as coach. I mean, he did speak really well all week, and we were sort of wondering how he would address that 
dismal performance, let's be honest, against Port Adelaide. But he said, look, I, I know we're much better than this. Uh, we have to be better and we will be better. And, and they delivered. So, yeah, their ability to handle the pressure and forget what has just gone and move on to the present and the future is, is pretty uh, remarkable what they've done. So Leper, take us to the game. What did they rectify? What did they restore to your eye? Well, in listening to Geelong this week, it's, it's, I think Nigel Appen said they're going to double down on their game style, which to me meant they're going to, they're going to slow the game down, time and position, which they won by seven minutes. So they, they ticked that box, uncontested marks only 80. So I, I thought they started the game a bit slower and I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those kick mark games. And then as Kane pointed out, they did go a little bit quicker. Um, the mark play on's an interesting one because they both went at 22%, but I sometimes think, what is a mark play on? Because sometimes mm. it's only fractional. Like if you kick, if I kick it to you, Sam, and you just turn around and mm. take half a second to dispose of it or two seconds, that sometimes can be the difference between what's a play on and what's not. So um, it's an interesting stat, that one, and sometimes it can defy what you think to the eye. But um, look, I, I just think, I think Geelong would just beat them up around the ball as well. That was one big thing. They won the contested possession. They won the time in possession. So they won the two key stats that they wanted to win. Uh, they kicked three goals from four fifty stoppages, which is as much on GWS as much as it's on Geelong because they're the, a great organisation around the four fifty stoppages. Now, Jared, I told you about the Trump and I've given you a few little insights into footy this year, but I'm going to give you another one and it's called caravanning. Caravanning? Well, Kane will know what this is because I reckon he might have done a little bit of this over his time. Paid, paid a lot of bills for me. <laughs> paid a lot of bills. <laughs> and Sam, could you guess what caravanning is? Go on. I don't want to ruin it. Well, basically, it's just ruin you on the back of someone and you're just following them around the whole time. Wherever they go left, you go left. You're not looking at the ball at all and you're just literally getting dictated to with your position. Towed around. Towed around, getting caravaned around basically. So that happened a lot in their 450. So they had eight players not watching the ball. So they were easy to block, get out, and they got easy opportunities and shots shots on goal. So there's a bit of caravanning to the Giants' defence at times. But all in all, um, I just thought Geelong beat him in all facets of the game. And that's with um, two of their key pillars, Selwood and Dangerfield, not having huge influences on the game. So there's a couple of positives to come out of it. What about for you, Kane? And um, and the, the Tom Hawkins performance was significant. Yep. Is he got beaten about as badly as he's been beaten in in a decade by Sam Taylor down at uh, down at GMHBA, and he'd obviously taken that to heart. And he had, and and the week before as well, the the early misses on goal, which has sort of hurt him a little bit in finals. He just his ability to steady himself. I thought he took three, four, five extra seconds last night just to compose himself. He dropped the ball on the ground. He wiped his hands on the grass. He just steadied himself. And that was a real sign that you know, I'm in control here. And and Taylor is probably the most informed one-on-one defender. Look, we've got we've got Aaliyah and we've got May and, and Lever, of course, those great interceptors. But in terms of someone you want to play on one-on-one, I mean, Taylor's about the hardest you're going to get right now. So um, what, what a player, Hawkins. I mean, straight to the Hall of Fame when he's eligible. 12 score involvements last night. The best man on the ground, I thought. And then what that allows, you know, Rowan and Radagalia, who didn't have a massive night, as, as Sam said, but also Cameron to play their part when he's going to get the number one defender is, is crucial. So we look forward to next week. How they'll match up, um, I'm not exactly sure, but it's going to be fascinating and gives Geelong a chance with their forward structure in form like this. There's a lot of themes just quickly around Geelong and finals, Jared. So we know they lose the first week, they win the second. The other theme is Tom Hawkins and the suspension tightrope at this time of year. I tell you what, he missed the prelim in 2019. He got away with a fine last year when he could have been suspended. That one was against Port Adelaide. And then last night... We think it'll be insufficient force, but I think when it comes to it, it will still um, spark a sigh of relief, if you like, from Geelong. That late 
collection of Lockie Whitfield last night in the second quarter. We think will be insufficient force, but you still find yourself watching it thinking, geez, why does he do that? Yeah. Um, so- it looked better in slow motion than, than yeah. that quick first glance. Yeah. I don't think he's got anything to worry no, about no. there. I think one thing that um, Geelong do really well, um, and it gets to Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron, is they expose the one-on-one matchups in their forward 50 really well. They're the best team at getting one-on-one matchups inside their forward 50. They get about nine and a half a game. It's not about, it's exactly nine and a half a game. And the Giants are the opposite. They expose their defenders. So they give away the most amount of one-on-one contests in their defensive 50. So no third-ins, no extra help. That's just over nine a game as well. So you had the two opposites. You had one end of the ground that... Um, that Geelong get, you know, those one-on-ones and, and, and the Giants had exposed them. And I thought that was a big difference in the game, the amount of times we looked up. And you saw Taylor fighting tooth and nail against Hawkins with nothing really coming in late. If, if, it's, if it's not Haynes, it's nobody, uh, I think. And I think that's probably why Leon Cameron late in the last quarter went, oh, we can't do this anymore. Without Haynes there, there's no third in at all. There's no one to, to really help out. But he, he did a good job. And that's a good thing with Leon. He, he didn't let the game just get away. He put Haynes forward. He put Torino back in the midfield. And they started to get a few things going. So it was good coaching as well to try and spark something. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, you, I think we sometimes don't do it, or coaches don't do enough. I mean, because you're so, and, and let me be able to speak to it, you're so, you've planned for so long all week of what you want to do, and then to almost go a different direction is, is almost like, well, that's failed. But he chased that game last night, and you, you couldn't fault anything the Giants really did, apart from I thought they were really predictable going inside 50. I mean, the to get Geelong, I think that sort of chaos sort of thing, when you can get the footy on the ground in their defensive 50, that's when they can panic a little bit. And that's what we saw with Port Adelaide small forwards. Bring it to ground, pressure the life out of Henderson and these types of players who faltered last week. I, I just thought the Giants were a bit predictable, lobbing it inside 50 and allowing them to in, intercept in the air. And, and when that happened, the, the Giants had the numbers there, but they just allowed Geelong to mark the ball too mm. easy in their defensive 50. So I mean, there's a couple of occasions Mummy was actually actually there and, and could have brought the ball to ground. He just didn't. He, he lost his feet a couple of times. So, yeah, look, I, I think, yeah, is it, do you, should you go long and high or should the people there actually do their job and bring it to ground? It's one or the other. Uh, or, as you said, look for a different option altogether. Geez, Zach Tui made a difference, Jared, as well. Speaking yeah, about that good. mark play on, first game back from a hamstring, I thought he was made a, um, a, a significant difference in the back half. Set a tone in the first quarter, didn't he? Um, so when you cast an eye toward Geelong and Melbourne, so they've just met, and it's one of the great games. Geelong leads by 44 points, gets mown down and beat after, and beaten after the siren. Um, and for Melbourne, that's the full like that's the full realization that this might be their time. They so everything comes in that result, and it's almost to choose your own adventure. So, what do you want to pick out of that game? How do you want analysis? Do you want to look at the the way that it ends? Do you want to look at halfway through? It it makes for it deserves to be reprised, and the fact that it's in a preliminary final is brilliant. Yeah, and a big part of it, if you think the language coming out of Melbourne after that game, I think it was the second quarter when they gave up five goals or something from centre square bounce. Mm. They'll see that component of the game and go, that's the bit we just got to get rid of of the game. So we get rid of that, there's five goals back in our pocket. And there's other things that Geelong will look at. They'll go, oh, well, if we stop if we stop some key moments late in the game where we kick the ball out in the fall and gave away 50s and tidied up a few of those silly mistakes, we win that game. So both both coaches will go in with the solution, um, how to... How to uh, I guess get the get the result, but you can't fault Melbourne's probably in the most crisp position to be in uh, out of the two. 
Yeah, I, I think um, I think that's exactly right. It was a centre bounce battle, and and Geelong, as you're alluding to, will have some things. And I said, well, Dangerfield didn't touch it in the in the last quarter. He spent 16 minutes on the bench. We didn't have Duncan. We didn't have Tui. So there's there's a whole heap of things. I, I think the real threat for Geelong is gone, and um, the Melbourne power through their midfield. Geelong just look a bit pedestrian covering the ground. Um, they just they're just lacking a just a little bit of speed and power through that midfield. So when you've got Oliver in the form that he's in, Petrarca in the form that he's in, Gorn uh, to be able to get around the ground, and I think that will be a real area of threat for that Geelong will have to try and shut down. Do you think Narkel would come in for Parfit, Lepper? You think that's the obvious choice when you're as, as, as far as a like-for-like? Like. Um, yeah, I, I would have thought so. We'll assess the giant season. So on the road for so long, epic adventures through multiple states after being uh, banished from Sydney as the COVID outbreak came. And then the full cost of Toby Green's suspension was stark before our eyes last night. So the assessment of the Giants, and then we'll get into Carlton and Collingwood's with the differing paths to selecting a coach. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. And for Red Rooster, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster, available at selected restaurants, the Rooster's Calling. The biggest conversation of the week was Toby Green's suspension. It is still unresolved for the long term. For the short term last night, It was absolutely pivotal and compounded when Jesse Hogan had to withdraw in the the hour leading up to the opening siren. And Kane, it was really obvious to see what was missing when they would surge the ball off half-back. Absolutely it was. They just couldn't get enough out of Himmelberg and it just was never going to be enough key targets for them. They went extremely small. You know, Bobby Hill gives them something and I think absolutely they're a better team when he's when he's playing, but without Hogan, with Cameron leaving, with the injuries that they've had this year, there was going to be really difficult to kick a winning score. Lepper mentioned those sort of bonus goals they they got out of uh, stoppage, one from Ward at the end there, and that's when they looked their most dangerous. But you know, it was always going to be difficult without Hogan. And, and also, what they're going to do now. I mean, ha- how do they go about getting a long-term key forward? Because Himmelberg's not your guy. He's a, he's a nice third one to have. Finlayson's in, in, in there as well, but... I'm not sure Jesse Hogan with his body is going to be, you know, relied upon to play 20 games a year. So what of the culpability of, of Toby Green, Kane? Um, the Giants, they pleaded not guilty. They ar- argued for zero weeks. I think from the outside, you're entitled to ask how much account did they hold him to? Mm. And then you watch on the field, having missed a preliminary final a couple of years ago, and now he missed a se- misses a semi-final where he could have had a profound difference. It, I don't know whether they're going to demand he change or not, but if you're sitting in the stands last night, how can it not dawn on you? Well, if I'm probably if I'm his teammate, uh, that, that, so that's where I'll start, is the, the fact that in the build-up to these big games, repeatedly it's all about Toby Green and, and him, more so than what the team is trying to do and, and the distraction that that causes, particularly in a year where they've, they've been on the road and they're travelling and, you know, the hearing's on but they've got to travel. I mean, just, just how often is he going to put his teammates in that position would be, would be for me. So you can argue about the seriousness of it and, and the weeks behind it, but the fact that he continually puts himself in this position, I'd be incredibly frustrated if I was in his teammate. And I, I don't think it's good enough for the Giants to say um, we're happy with him. He, we, we think he plays at his best when he's on the edge. Absolutely. He's changed a lot from, from where he was seven, uh, no, six, seven years ago. He can change again, and I think he needs to. Yeah, look, it's obviously disappointing. And history repeats a bit too much, doesn't it? For Toby, it's happened quite a bit. 
Uh, I know Jonathan Brown was similar. It took him a long time um, to sort of eradicate that out of his game. And then once he did, um, I don't think it was the last seven or eight years of his career, he, 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 he was fine with it. Um, so th- those guys that actually at times got a bit of that white line fever and make some, make some errors, take some time. But he has to now learn from this one. I think th- this could be the line in the sand one. A lot of the other ones are... You know, when he used to put the boot up and, you know, those sorts of ones were like, yeah, they were bad, but how bad were they? Whereas this is sort of the next level now. It's like, okay, I'm, I've now cost – it's not just about Toby Green and me. I'm, it's, I'm costing my team. I think this is the one where the penny will drop for him. That mm. it'll, It's costing his team more than it's costing himself. Well, yeah, I think that's right. I think – so the one with Dangerfield this year, I mean, that, that that's in play. That's that's a fend-off. There's no – I don't think there's any malice in that. In fact, Selwood did exactly the same thing to yeah. Josh Kelly last night. Exactly the same action Joel Selwood did, except – Kelly doesn't come off with a sore neck, like a sore throat. So you can't – those ones in play, yeah, but these ones where you are absolutely in control and they're not in play, they're the ones, you're right. So the big picture, the Giants have had four years in the finals winning games. They have one year out, they go straight back in and again win a final. What's their trajectory? I think they're a really difficult one to read, to be honest, because mm. I think at the start of the season, I was thinking more outside of the eight, only for the fact of the players that they constantly leave their football club of really good, high quality, and they replace them with really good draft picks. So they're a very unique situation with the way their strategy goes every every year, because it seems to me every year they lose a good player and get a new draft pick in, and that quality of the kid is normally pretty good. Um, so... They're unique. They're unique as a football club. I think this is. I think this has been Leon Cameron's best year of coaching, given the fact of what he's had. Because I think this is the least amount he's had at his disposal since he's been there. Uh, obviously, I think they have a thick midfield, but definitely the bookends. They're they're very, very inexperienced, and he's had a lot of injuries. So um, I think when when those players come back, there's no reason why why what they did this year isn't a starting point for next year. What about you, Kane? Yeah, the, I agree. So they're either you know veterans really, or they're incredibly young. They don't have a lot of players uh, twenty five, twenty six, do they? So when you when you're looking at it, you know Haynes is twenty nine, Mumford's going to move on, Ward, um, you, you know Phil Davis is is coming to the end. So where's that where's that gap? C- can they use the money that was set aside for Cameron, you know, all you know million dollars worth? into attracting a big target. I'm not sure there's any, and, and Sam can speak to that, but they haven't haven't attracted a lot of players from other clubs for, for a while, have they? Like a big name that wants to go and play there. I think that would be important. Um, we'll get to Stephen Canilio and what well, they do Let's do it that, now. That, that looks like their biggest issue. As you talk about money, they have so much money tied into their captain, and he's had, um, he's had a really tough time of it. Um, two terrible seasons by his own standards. Yeah, and it's a massive distraction. So I, I think the call is to to give Toby Green the captaincy. I'm 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 fine with that. I think that is the obvious one. Yeah, of course, as we alluded to, Toby needs to change some things. But what do they do with the contract that he's on? I mean, how, how do you can you renegotiate? Is there another club that's willing to pick up his contract and you pay a portion of it? Because you can't have your captain running around in the midfield getting 14 touches and seven kicks in a game of footy. You can't have him starting as a half forward last week as the captain of the club. You can't have him and his position in the side being questioned week on, week out, the, the distraction that that is. I don't know what the answer to it is, but I hope it's a wake-up call to other clubs. And, a, and a how, how heavy can you beat this drum, Jared? But long-term contracts rarely, if ever, work, unless you're Dustin Martin, unless you're Buddy Franklin. Is this the and worst? Is this the worst long-term rich contract there's been? 
it's probably the worst one I've seen. Um, there's been some bad ones though, and and Josh Kelly's might be just as bad. Um, and in in six years' time, what sort of footage Josh Kelly going to be play, playing? I'm not sure. I think clubs are starting to wake up to it, and I've seen a couple just recently. So so Sydney offer Luke Parker two years. He's 29, and I know David King spoke with you about this on Monday, Jerry. That, that's a club that's learning. Very easy to fall into the trap of giving your best and fairest winner, great servant of the club, really good player. You give him five years easily. And no one would probably even question that. Matt Crouch at the Crows, best and fairest winner. Uh, I believe, I think he's an All-Australian. You have to uh, remember me there. I'm sure that the listeners will pick me up on that. But it's he's been injured two years. He's 26. I mean, no, no Adelaide fan probably would have blinked if they gave him four I think clubs are starting to learn from other clubs' diabolical mistakes with list management. Just on Toby Green, though, can he be ca- can he be captain given all the issues we've discussed this year and repeatedly over the years? Has he damaged his captaincy candidacy? He's done a pretty good job. This year. I mean, if we're, if we're all saying that the Giants have had an unbelievably um, unbelievable season, I mean, a key part of that, yeah, it's Leon Cameron. A key part of that is what Toby Green's done. But can so, you have your captain behaving in a manner that we've seen Toby Green repeatedly do over the years? Um, well, you, you chat to him about it, don't you? You, you evolve. Um, um, there was questions about, you know, Dustin Martin and the, the way that he carried himself. And people are saying, well, he could captain Richmond now. You can, you can change and he doesn't need to change a lot. They will have that conversation with him. They will need to do that. But if it's not Toby Green, who else is going to captain this club? I think he's ideal. Does it make it difficult if he ends up suspended for the first five mm. rounds of the new season? What's he got? Two more to go. Um, so, so if if the AFL has its way and the mm. appeal re- uh, lands at six weeks and he's out for the first five rounds, does that make it difficult to anoint him as captain, knowing he's not going to be there? Yeah, it's, it's not it's not ideal, is it, Jared? But uh, once again, I think he is the best fit, and you go with the best fit. They've played their best footy when he's led them. There's there's no well, doubt. Yeah, well, that's why there's the on field, off field, isn't yeah. there? And they're the two debates on field. He's clearly the the best leader they have. And what you're asking is, can is this now the, the bit that will tidy up the, the off-field bit where he can take some off-field responsibility to realise the impact he's now done and created for his team? I, I think he can. I, I hope he is. Um, but I think getting back to even the, the contract stuff, I, I think the problem with long-term deals as well potentially is, is the clubs don't have – they don't own the contract, for instance, so they can't sell the contract. So, mm. like, if you buy a house, you know, you can sell it at any one point in time, whereas – we're in the NFL, for instance, you sign a four-year deal. Well, after two, you can sell that contract if you really want to. So the players have all the rights when it comes to these things. So, yeah, see, I'm, I'm with Kane. If you sign an eight-year deal, it's really, really risky because you've got no other way to sell that. There's no way. You have locked yourself in um, to, to the next eight years and very difficult to get out of it because the player ultimately can say, no, nah, I'm not going or, yeah, you know, you've got no rights mm. over it. And in regards mm. to what they do, Jared, Leon Cameron says they got picks two and 12. So two high first-rounders uh, come this year's national draft. Would you trade two, Kane? Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to look at it because because we don't follow the draft close enough to, and particularly like this, the last couple of years where some of these young players have played. Yeah. So 10 just games just the years. philosophy, just the philosophy of the second best kid in the land, which is going to be about the fourth best kid in the land, or pick two will get you a legit A grader, a Who top eight mm. player at your club. Mm. No, yeah, well, so just, no, philosophically right. before you deal with specifics. I would, I would absolutely look at it if I could get a, a player of that, that, that golf that I spoke about, a 24-year-old who wants to be a giant, who has got 50, 60 games, 70 games underneath them that, that want to come and play for me. I would look at it. But what, So if, if it's Ben King, uh, okay, well, we, need, we lost Cameron. I can't rely on, on Hogan. And this is 
a pie in the sky, yeah, of course, if, but I'm just plucking a name. Yep. If Ben King said, I want to be a giant, um, that's the type of player I would look to give pick two and probably something else for. Yep. Okay, so that's the Giants. Uh, we'll broaden out next. Has Collingwood completed its coaching process, I think, to great acclaim? Well, Carlton, it's, it's anyone's guess as to which side of the alternate universe they're existing in at the moment. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Brewster's new crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. New Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Crunch time after Geelong beat the Giants to move on to a preliminary final. And before tonight, the Lions and the Bulldogs meet at the Gabba. We broaden our conversation and it's hard not to be drawn to Carlton. Sam Edmund, do you want to run the parallel universe here? <laughs> it's so amazing, isn't it, to watch from the outside. That's all we can do at the moment with the odd little snippet from the inside. So it's hard not to look at this, Jared, as a headhunting exercise that has then failed and therefore morphed into a subcommittee announcement, full-on process, because the headhunted targets have rejected the approaches. And Alistair Clarkson has done it multiple times. The suggestion that the door is still ajar is a myth, at least as things stands at the moment. I've spoken to his manager multiple times, James Henderson. He will go overseas, he'll go to the States, he'll study there, and they look to get back in the industry in 2023. So forget Alistair Clarkson unless there's a massive change. Ross Lyon, we know what's happened. Now there's a coaching subcommittee. And we always come back to Chris Judd's comments about training wheels. Who would have thought that after all of this time, they could come back to a coach at the risk of disrespecting this person with training wheels on, despite Luke Sayers coming in and stating that he wants the best and most experienced AFL coach out there. And the other I guess, assumption you can make from the outside is that he has tried to force this through and he's been pulled up. No, we've got, A, we've got the odd concern and B, there's got to be a proper process here. And, and that's where we're at. Yeah. And so, by the way, if you're the coach, you're at least the third choice and you, you are expected to make finals next year. Now, Leper, as someone who exists somewhere in this space and has watched from pretty close up, uh, maybe the best process run in many a year... Uh, what what do you make of the Carlton scenario? Um, I'm still writing down what Sam said. I'm going through the pro- – it's, it's quite an extensive one, isn't it? Because they went in with the very premise at the start to do the right thing and I guess do a review and get a report and then get a recommendation. This is going back to mid-season. Yeah, this is going back yeah. to mid-season. So I think the premise of what they intended to do has, has a lot of merit to it. But it just in between, we've seen a lot of but – we're still trying to rec- potentially recruit someone from the side. It seems to be like, yeah, whether it's a Ross Lyon or a Clarko, which is different to going to a process. So for me, it's like, I don't know, you, I guess you go through a process or you don't, but it, it seems to be it's a bit weaved into the one. Would that be correct in saying that? So it's not a process, but it sort, it sort well, of is. So It's weaved into the point where two of the people appointed to the coaching subcommittee, at the same time, calls are being made to replace them at the club. So... We're hearing that Kane Little is on the subcommittee. We know that. And now we're hearing that Brian Cook's being approached. We know that Brad Lloyd, the football manager, is on the subcommittee, but we're hearing that Blair Hartley's been approached. So at the same time as they're trying to appoint a coach through proper process, they're trying to replace the people that are on the subcommittee, seemingly. It's it makes them very hard to do business with. If at, at a certain moment when Geelong's season ends, if Brian Cook says, yes, I'm, I'm up for this, and Kane Little's running the process of selecting the new coach and suddenly you're changing CEOs. And if at any stage from across the room, Alistair Clarkson gives them a wink, 
then I'll know we're disbanding that. So why did it change then? So as you say, Justin, the people there, whether it be the football manager, the CEO, they had steps in place, a proper football department review that was probably made a little bit more public than uh, than it should have been in hindsight, no doubt about that. So the, the, the I guess the intentions are correct. What has twisted it on its head to see shortcuts being... Is it Luke Sayers coming in as the new chairman? Is that as what turned this on its head, do we think? I, I don't know. I think one thing we we don't know, and some of these conversations might even be correct. I think they've even said themselves, uh, Carlton, that there's a lot of misreporting in it. So mm. some of this might be true, some not. But either way, I think one thing I've... I've probably worked out more this year, because it's so public, the first thing they have to do when all this settles down and they select whoever they select is just bring everyone back together because there's just been so much talk around this process for such a long period of time. They've got to rebuild the trust back in the organisation because even with if it's true or not, Kane Little's name's been mentioned, Brad Loy's name's been mentioned, David Teague's was and he was actually um, made accountable for that. So there'd be a lot of people there feeling a little threatened and feeling a little bit insecure. It's just by nature. So I think the first thing once they get through this process, whenever it actually ends, is they've got to start to reunite the club back together at some point because it's, it isn't helpful, isn't it? For every, almost feel like every day this club's been mentioned in the press for nearly three months, isn't it? So mm. you've, you want to stop that. You want to get some normality back into your footy club. And Kane? where to? Yeah, yeah where yeah. to now? Kane. What do you think, Kane? Well, it sounds me- like just listening and uh, taking it all in from from what you're saying, it's, it sounds really messy. But just on the Ross Lyon piece of it, though, uh, isn't this the way boards should work? So so Luke says uh, it appears as though Ross Lyon was – it was Clarks and then it was Lyon. Um, but then the other board have said, well, hang on, is, is Lyon the right person? So should we not – have a look, have a chat, go through whatever a process looks like, you know, different things to different clubs. Isn't that the way boards should work, though? Like, it's not it's not a captain's call of the president. Let's let's consult the other board members. If there's questions over that candidate, let's work through it. Let's put them through an interview situation. Let's find out the philosophies, how he sees the list and all that. And if he's not prepared to engage in that, is he the right guy? Is, is what I, I don't think it's a disaster that Ross Lyon is not going to coach them. I would sit back and go, well, is he is he doing it for the right reasons? Is he willing to put the work in to present, to convince them that he's the guy and to sell us his vision like like most coaches would do? Even Alistair Clarkson would have to do that, that have some sort of conversation about that even before they appointed him. So I just don't think the Lyon piece of it is a disaster. Everything else you're saying in regards to chasing CEOs and chasing uh, footy manager and all that that is far from ideal the leaks to the media is far from ideal there's a lot to be critical of Carlton about for the last you know however long but I'm not so hot up on um, criticism over Ross Lyon pulling out of this situation so who lost the most through all of that Kane at the heavy petting stage is it's the you can only assume that Luke says made promises that he couldn't ultimately keep and Ross Lyon was so convinced of what was going to happen that he that he made a run at it on television and then spent the next couple of weeks desperately trying to wind it back in until he realised that it wasn't going to be him. And, in fact, the process had two members in the six who he was never getting through. Mm, it didn't uh, – I don't think the TV stuff helped, did it? Um, you know, that probably that probably jumped the gun a little bit with the, the conversation around that and that had some more concerns and questions over after hearing – um, Eddie Maguire and Ross Lyon sort of lobbying for the job, but probably says though, isn't it? Like if you've if you've made a, a captain's pick and and wanted your guy and the others are saying no, well then you know you question the way that he has done business so far. So if you're running a credible process from here, Kane, 
The two holding statements are they want an experienced and proven successful coach and they expect to make finals next year. It, to run a proper process, you have to abandon both of those, don't you? Well, I can, I can spin an experienced coach easily. Like like Justin Leppage, is an, Michael Voss is an experienced coach, Don Pike is an Brad Scott. So there, there are so many candidates that have experience. You, you could say, you know, a Chris Fagan type is an experienced candidate just because he hasn't coached on his, in his own right. They, they, they never actually specifically said, we need a coach who's won a premiership. They, they, didn't, they didn't say, like you could argue David Noble is, like you could go and get um, someone who's coached a premiership at, at an, in another competition. So you can, sp- I'm not worried about that bit. I mean, there's a number of experienced coaches out there. I don't think they necessarily have to be a two-time premiership Paul Ruse type, and that's going to be the only satisfactory outcome. And in terms of playing finals, absolutely they should be, um, demanding that they play finals next year with the list that they've got, I would think that is that is a base mark. So th- those comments don't offend me one bit. If you were an, an a highly credentialed assistant coach who hasn't um, had the head coaching job somewhere so far, Leper, would you put yourself into this process? Uh, I think one thing I'll say is that any club that is replacing the coach has something going on in the background. And, and in fact, most football clubs, even at the top, have something going on in the background. But, you know, th- there's a reason why often coaches fail and the new one comes in. When I went to the Lions, uh, people forget quickly, I lost Yo and Doherty and there was a bit of a cultural issue there too um, because and they those boys didn't want to stay around that culture. So every every job comes with something like this. So um, like Fly, Craig McRae's going into Collingwood with a, with a leadership battle, which seems to be sorted out. You know, it seems to be fine. Everything's going to um, smooth over the next 12 months. But something's always going on in the background. So don't think you're ever going to walk in and go, oh, beautifully, everyone's happy. You know, because if everyone was happy, content and blank, playing good football, the job wouldn't be available. So that's the reality of the situation. And, and there is going to be some off-field stuff. So that's what my point before is just quickly sort it out and, and start rebuilding the trust and unity because that's the way to get out of the mess. The worst thing you do is delay it and, and, and continually be in the press, continually be in the news. But um, So if you're a new coach getting back to it, yeah, take it because you've got a good list. As long as the people there can convince you, which hasn't been – because there is still new people there at, at Carlton with Luke Sayers. They've got to be able to convince you there is a long-term pathway there because their long-term history is replacing coaches every couple of years. So that would be the thing to me, the insecure in the back of the head is, well, if I don't perform straight, does that mean I'm out? Is it this one-year thing, does that mean – it's I'm on my own in an island. If we don't play next year, my contract, I'm out. You've got me a three-month termination and I might as well not even have done this job. They're the little things that will probably eke out in the back of the coach's mind. But I think each coach thinks they can go on there because they think they can make a difference. Um, so apart from that, I, I, as I said, that would be the only cause for concern is how so strong are you, are, are, this, are you on this finals next year? Because sometimes you don't know all the problems until you get into a, a job. You might look, might look good on the outside. Sometimes it might look poor on the outside, but you go in there and it's better than you think or a bit worse than you think. And what of the players do you think, Kane? Just briefly, particularly the young group of emerging leaders who encapsulates really the future of the footy club, who went to the chief executive and asked that David Teague be retained, mm. and then they're watching in their off-season as this is unfolding. Yeah, and, and anyone that wants to come and join as well, do you have questions? You know, it's, it's tough to go and sign at a club if you're Adam Chair and you don't know who the coach is. I would, I would factor that in. I just think the group needs to... I don't know, harden up's an old school word, but I, I mean that, you know, how successful do you want to be? How how far are you willing to go? You know, how, how fit are you going to get? How demanding are you going to be of each other? It's going to start from within that playing group. Someone's going to have to make a stand. 
that where we've been isn't good enough and we need to you know, get fully professional. I'm not sure they can put their hand up and say they've been a fully professional squad. Craig McRae's ascension to the Collingwood job and Mark Blitzavs is going to join us from last night's victory, Geelong over the Giants, and then we'll set up tonight and Sam Edmonds' washing machine edition of the trade. Crunch time for Werribee Jeep, Caroline Springs Jeep. They stock the all-new Jeep Compass for your convenience. The award-winning Crunch Time. Focus of semi-final weekend now shifts to the Gabba where the Lions and the Bulldogs meet tonight for the right to face Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval next weekend. The Cats are through. They saw off the Giants by 35 points last night. It'll be Melbourne and Geelong on Friday night over in the West. Crunch time is for the Werribee, the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Kane Corn, and Justin Lepich with you. So we gear up for this big day of footy for Dometic. Fuel your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware. Mark Blitzavs is going to join us in five minutes' time. So having discussed Carlton at length, what of Collingwood? And Justin Lepich, you go first. You've seen a good mate of yours ascend to the coaching position. He's done it in a beautifully understated way. And he looks like a delightful addition, 48 hours in. Well, how biased can I be, really? Let's be be biased. You're probably asking the worst person ever. You've got <laughs> my best mate that's just got a job um, at one of the biggest clubs in the land. So, um, of course, I'm pumped for him and think he's terrific and he's going to be a terrific coach. But um, it's more probably what, you know, the others think. I, I think he did a really good job of, of the starting point, just equip, equipping yourself at the early stages of the first week of media. He's not a media man. He hasn't done a lot over the course of time. And I think um, I think the, the Collingwood fans got to see a few sides of him and, um, and, and more than anything saw the authentic side of who he is and, and what he can bring in a very, very short period of time. But it's, it's hard works to come, isn't it? Really, I mean... It's, this is going to be the hardest part from this point forward. First impressions, Kane? Oh, I was just, I, I like the fact that he played on the uh, the work, working class sort of blue collar. So I, I, I'm with you. I haven't heard him speak a lot. For, for a man who's been involved in the game, I couldn't have recognised his voice if he was talking on the radio and I didn't know that it was him. So for him to play on the fact that he's done it the hard way and he's had to work extremely hard because he wasn't a massive game, albeit he's footy resume is probably a little bit understated and he probably doesn't give himself the credit that he deserves for that. Um, it sounded like an extraordinary thorough process and I do like it, w- it was all in-house, nothing came out of it and, and Sam, you can, you know, you probably dug away as hard as anyone to get some information. I'm assuming it was pretty difficult. So the way that they handled it from the club point of view it was terrific when we're looking at Carlton Leaks and all of that. It was very in-house. But, but yeah, I, I'm just fascinated by Collingwood. Now, how do you see their list? It, it could be bottom four, but it equally wouldn't surprise me if they made the top eight. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they start the season next year. The first word that comes to mind, Jared, is just genuine. And the, the whips aren't cracking yet, as Leper alludes to, and they're going to crack pretty bloody loudly at a club, but let's be honest, they don't, they're not low profile, and it's not like there's no expectation around them, regardless of the list profile. The members demand it. And there was some class there from him, too, to thank the members for the money. He found the time at the biggest moment of his life to, to reach out to the supporter group and say thanks. He sent his water flying at one particular point. He was nervous, but that's what we loved about him. In his interview with you during the week, only uh, endeared him to us even more. I think 
Mark Anderson, the CEO, probably put it the best. Though success has been part of Craig's football DNA from the time he's putting the boots on with this man Leper, right throughout his coaching journey, whether it be development, assistant, or even coaching his own side in his own right. Success has followed him, and you can't help but like him. So we had a great conversation with Jared Healy last night, prompted by Lee Matthews, who spoke about the the move away from the alpha male coach potentially, mm. and the you know so he's seen now five of you come through and coach. And I think his view is Craig is the least alpha male of that group. And here he is, and he might be exactly the right coach in that changing landscape. Do, do you have an, a, an appreciation for that, Lepper? I did hear Lee's initial comments about that. I think maybe he said that around a week ago, first and first time he said that. I, I, I tend to agree. Um, because one thing I think players need more than anything is a connection with their coach and the ability to feel like they can talk to them and... So I think sometimes having a massive CV, and, and Lee himself, like I was probably one of the few players that could talk to Lee um, as a human being as much as a coach. But I felt even some of the guys I played with struggled with that, given his CV and his status in the game and and that alpha male approach. But I think it's getting, and that's 20-odd years ago, I think that's getting harder and harder for, for young players to, to do that. So I, I agree. I, I really do think being the alpha male sometimes is a, a bit to your own detriment in the in the modern day as a head coach. But um, it'll change probably again. You know, we'll give it another 10 years. We'll probably go back to it. These things tend to go in you know swings and, and roundabouts a little bit. So... Um, but it's, for me, it's it's more about what Craig can do. And he, he'll make every player there, I know, um, feel connected and wanted and attached to the footy club. That's 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 his strength area. And others, it's not that they don't like people, but they, they just don't have that in their first thought process, whereas that, that is his. Mm. What, what do you think of the evolution of that, Kane? And um, it's not one size fits all, but there is a clear trend over recent years. Mm. It's about uh, as I've never been coached by someone who wasn't, I guess, an alpha male. Yeah. Like, so I've, it's unfamiliar to me. Um, I, probably uh, Matthew Nix was he was a, a really sort of senior, uh, making his way. You could you could tell he had big things in front of him when I was sort of finishing, and he was coaching. He was probably the closest to that. Um, to to that uh, Craig McRae model, and I think he's going to be really successful as a relationship has been his starting point and embracing all. Embracing all types, I think that's the that's the thing now. I mean, we used to try and fit everyone into the same sort of same box, but they, they don't all fit in the same box anymore. And you've got to and and to hear and follow Max Gorn and he, the way he's spoken about how he didn't feel like he belonged at the start, but then as the Melbourne Footy Club has evolved, they've embraced all different types and personalities. I think that is a real advantage for the the modern coach, if you like. But I don't know really any different because I had Mark Williams and, you know, you, you do at times feel nervous talking to these coaches. Ken Hinckley is the same, but he's having great success. Matty Primus was probably the same. Um, um, but obviously he's, he's absolutely blown them away in a, a pretty thorough um, process that he's just gone through. Six to eight weeks it was in the end. Yeah. And, he, and this is the other thing. He yeah. said, geez, they've made me earn it. So it was, <laughs> yeah. it was a six to eight week process, multiple interviews. So, yeah, he's done well. Yeah, it is. Uh, it'll be interesting, Kane, through this era. So your guild of – you're one of the youngest ex-players mm. in the in the media where so much – you guys form so much of the commentary and yet there aren't many of you who are going to have experienced this as we try to decipher it from the outside. No, so but you you hear and you you speak to people. So you know, obviously, um, really familiar with what's happening at, at at Port Adelaide. They they now get the players up um, to in, in front of 
the group to to share you know their their biggest fears and and to share what's happened the challenges through their childhood that that it just didn't happen when I was playing and that's all about building um I guess layers to the relationships with your teammates and and forming deeper bonds and having a better understanding of the challenges and the personalities of the guys that you're running out with on the weekend it, that just wasn't happening when I played and I'm, I'm assuming it is on the back of Richmond's success and um, Leper would be able to explain it way better than I can, but it feels as though Richmond sort of embraced that first and, and it's a copycat league and everyone else is trying to do that. You can't fake it though and it has to be genuine um, and it's a, a big area that uh, clubs are trying to get an advantage from. We'll come back through this in a few minutes' time. I'd like to just explore a little bit more of it, including asking, would you have liked it, Kane, or do you think you would have found it confronting when you cast your mind to a player? So we'll come back to that in a moment. Mark Blitzavs has returned to defence for the Cats, necessity being the mother of reinvention. The Cats' 35-point winners over the Giants last night. Mark, great to have you on Crunch Time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. What was the overall emotion when you stare down... Uh, a do-or-die final after a disappointment. What was the uh, the overall emotion at the end last night? Oh, we we were um, yeah very very ecstatic. We we enjoyed it. Um, we've been there before. We've got a really experienced group and one that's lost a couple of uh, early finals. So we have been in this elimination type finals before. And um, yeah, we just set it up with our training week and uh, the attitude going forward. And and from there. Uh, it was a tough game, and to be able to execute what we needed to to, to get the win and put us into a prelim, um, yeah, we're very happy. So how was it driven during the week? Was that we heard from uh, Matty Knights, who said that this was it was the players' initiative and you could see it as soon as you got out on the track. What what was it and where did it come from? Yeah, as you're right, yeah, as you said, it's, it is the players that, that drive that, but the coaches did do a massive part in that. So we just spoke about what we need to improve on from the port game and um, to just not lose our heads, just just keep focused. Um, obviously, that game against port, it's two top four sides going against each other. So it's a tough game to win and, and port played really well. So uh, we knew we were going okay. We just need to tighten up a few things. And um, obviously, Skip was amazing last night. But um, during the week, just with his leadership and his, his um, just... what he, what he The messages he sends during our meetings, it, it's something that yeah, we keep focused on. Mark, Justin Lippich here. Well done. Uh, good win last night. Is this it? Is this your final position now? Is it defence? There's no more <laughs> moving. We're not going to see you go. It feels like every year you play three, four, five positions. It's probably a two-pronged question. Is there a position you haven't played on the ground? And which one? Which which one's it? Is this it for you at Geelong in the back line? Because you look settled there. Yeah, well, I haven't played full forward because I can't kick straight. So I won't be, uh, <laughs> I won't be there. But um, no, I think it is. I, uh, I mean, it depends again. We're going to hopefully... Two more games, but next week especially, um, you just don't know what the, the plan is. But at this stage, it looks like that. Um, I thought Sav was terrific, and um, him forward is creating contests, and then he's able to um, go into that second ruck position to give Reese a rest, which does allow me to stay a bit more stable behind the ball. And um, It worked really well. Uh, Hogan, I was going to go to Hogan. I'm not sure if he was out due to injury or it was a tactic um, by GWS, but... Um, yeah, I suppose for me, with Stewie to go out, me to come back behind the ball, it's something that's helped us. And what will be the focus this week? I guess it wasn't long ago that Melbourne game where Maxie was a hero after the after the siren. I know you haven't had your opposition meeting yet, so you can probably reflect back on the, the post-game sort of review with Chris. What were some of the things that come out of the, that and some of the things you can focus on from this week? 
Yeah, is we were, we were about 40 points up in that game that we lost. So um, it's a good game to look back on because there's um, some really good edits on what we've done really well and what we didn't do really well. And, and obviously Melbourne would look at that the same. They did some really good stuff late in the game. And um, in that third and second quarter, when we were able to get ahead, they didn't. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a cracker of a game. Um, they've beaten us twice this year. Um, both pretty close. Um, I, I think they've got some really good strengths all over the ground. But, um, yeah, Lever's the one that probably hurt us a bit last time. Um, but, again, you, you can't go past Retracker and Oliver and then Maxi Gorn as well. So it's a great matchup. And, and yeah, you, you're pretty privileged to play in these situations. And, and next week we get to go against Melbourne. It's a massive game, one we're all pumped for. Mike, how hard did you review last week against Port Adelaide? I mean, just some real uncharacteristic type stuff, drop chest marks and, and fumbles and uh, some things that said to me you didn't cope with the pressure. But how hard did you review it or how quickly did you move on? Uh, we were forced to probably move on pretty quick because we, we had a game this week and you got you got to do that because uh, if you look back too long, you, you'll get bitten. But... Um, yeah, no, we didn't review it any harder or any easier than we have during the week. We sort of, as I mentioned, kept our heads um, and we just made sure we could, um, yeah, keep the routine going. And, and we've had losses this season where we've re- reviewed and we've had wins where we review it the same. So, um, yeah, we just touched on it and, and moved on pretty quick. It was definitely felt like a, a want to, to play on faster and, and take a few more risks with the footy. Is that accurate? Um, not so much um, to take a few more risks with the footy, but just set up the ground the way we wanted to. And I think the way we set up the ground allows us um, to get more free options, um, which allows, obviously, then the kicker to see the option and just take it straight away. So it happens that way. But I think, um, yeah, it's, the options are all available to you on the ground once you get the um, game on your terms. And we didn't get it on our terms against Port, and Port fantastic at not allowing us to do that. Um, but against GWS, for the majority of the game, we were able to, which is, yeah, obviously why we want, had, a, had a great game and got the win. And Mark, obviously, contested possession is a, a really big focus for your team. But one thing you're really good at, and we've touched on it briefly, is just getting those separation inside your Ford 50, getting those one-on-one contests. And Tom Hawkins, it looked like he was relishing that that last night. Is that something you tend to focus off in the front half of your ground, trying to get that separation to get those one-on-one contests and use those dangerous forwards? Well, we do. Um, yeah, it's just we just need to have a contest from our forwards, and I thought they were fantastic last night. And um, not only did Hawk kick straight, but he just his running patterns. He puts himself in those positions, um, yeah, to, to get to the contest and to have a couple of one on ones against against him during the week that I do. It's it's tough to be as a defender in that position. So um, yeah, I think he's the one of the best in the comp for that one on one type scenario. So of course we're going to try and get it to him in that situation as much as we can. Um, and last night was, we were able to it a couple of times and, and he's finished off with goals, so it's credit to him. Uh, the health of the squad, uh, Cameron, you know, after a few weeks back, he's starting to look sharp and Tui back in and Duncan's got a couple under underneath him now. Is there any more reinforcements to come? The, 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 the Stuart name keeps coming up. I, I can't see there's a way he comes back in next week, but how is the health of the group? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's going really well. Yeah, Stu won't be in next week, but he's moving really well. And um, he's always set his sights on if we were to make a grand final, who knows? So um, he's rehabbing really hard. Um, obviously, we had Parf hurt, hurt his uh, hammy a little bit last night. So 
he'll be assessed during the week. But um, again, we've sort of spoken about it this whole season. We try and stay really healthy and uh, we've got a good depth of list. So if someone was to come in, we just think, um, you know, obviously we'll miss the person that goes out, but we'll be able to replace and, and fix that hole. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it'll be a pretty stable team, but we'll wait and see what, what happens through the week. Mark, Sam Edmund here. Thanks for your time. I wanted to ask you when freedom came for you in the quarantine sense. Uh, I think you're out at trade wins down there in Fremantle. Is it is it this coming Friday that you're you're allowed out and about? Yeah, so we'll we'll play the game Friday night, and then post that um, we would have completed our two weeks of quarantine. So um, yeah, as you said, we're at trade win, wins, which is in Frio, and, it, and it's really good. So um, we obviously got use of the the entire building, and then we're out for um for trainings. Um, on the ovals when we, when we train. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to do a quarantine. We're very, very lucky here. And I know a lot was made of it, obviously, during the week, given the tribunal case and such with, with Toby Green, but just him not being there as a defender, I mean, it's one, I imagine, one less headache that you'd be welcome not to have out there on the field on, on game day. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's, a, he's a superstar. I, I genuinely believe that. He's, a, he's an unbelievable player. And he's, he was one that really hurt us down at Geelong when they got the win and, um, you obviously want to compete against the best, but um, for him not to, to be there as a ground-level player, uh, which I think that's what they went after against us in, down in Geelong. Um, yeah, it, they sorely missed him, I think, last night. You've played nine seasons, Mark. This will be your sixth preliminary final, which is pretty astounding. How Do, do, you, do you contemplate what, an, what a period of, of at least success to give yourself a chance has been? Uh, I think I am as I'm getting older. Uh, I definitely, I definitely am, and I, I just yeah try not to take it for granted because they're very tough. And the more I suppose the more prelims I've played and the um, more losses of prelims I've been involved in the lose grand final last year. Um, as I get older, I understand how actually hard it is to win a grand final. It's unbelievably hard, and only one team out of the 18 does it each season. So you take nothing for granted, and you try and prep as much as you can and do all the right things to leave no stone unturned. And uh, that's what we'll be doing this week to to try and hopefully give us another chance at winning Friday and then into the grand final. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's a great, uh, September's always a great time to be still playing and be involved in footy. It's, it's exciting. Do you find yourself uh, chasing it desperately? How do you keep it sort of in, in context? So that, that, that hunger for it doesn't become overwhelming. Yeah, that's the key. It's a fine balance, but uh, I try and stay pretty calm and just know that I'll continue to train hard and, and tick off the things I need to during the week, which will fill me with confidence on game day. So that's the plan. And then, and then yeah, you've got to, uh, you and your 21 other teammates that are on the field got to rely on each other and, and look after each other. And um, yeah, we're going to give ourselves the best shot. Is it Ben Brown for you next week? Uh, we'll have a look at that pretty closely, but I went to him in parts because I was a bit of ruck defence last time he played, but um, he's probably one that's really in good form as well. So um, I, at this stage, I'd say so, yep. Yeah, do you know who Harry Sharp is? Uh, the Brisbane steeplechaser? Yes. <laughs> is there a little yes. committee yep. of steeplechasers getting together now? Do we little private meetings and gatherings that, that happen? <laughs> WhatsApp now, well, now that it's starting to become a real fashion in the AFL? <laughs> Yeah, once if Brisbane get over to Perth, yeah, we'll catch up for coffees and just talk about the steeple. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Well done last night. Uh, we'll see you next Friday night. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you, Mark Blitzav's Geelong defender.
uh, on the night towards Friday night, a prelim against Melbourne. Yeah, and what a great player he's been. From you'd love to see him get the ultimate reward, wouldn't you? Um, all the John boys, really, of course, that um, have battled so hard over the last half a dozen years. What a draft story! Oh yeah, it's just you can't ever lose sight of that. Yeah. What? Where? What's his best place? Oh gosh, it's so hard with those guys that are good at lots of things. Um, I still think it's in defence. I, I just think he's such a good competitor. Um, and then pinch hit in the ruck because that that part to me is when he can use his his other strength. Um, which is his ability to run in, around the field and become a weapon. Um, so I think those are his two best positions. Let's just come back to our previous conversation. Leper, how different was the playing experience of the Richmond group that, yeah. than, than what your generation's playing experience was? So um, the best way to explain it, and I often talk about it when I, when I speak to a lot of corporates about this, so the, the actual um, Brisbane Lions was know your role, accept your role and perform your role. So... You could call that old school if, if you really wanted to, but that's it. So you've got to know what you're doing. Accept it. And Liam Matthews always said accepting was the hardest thing because you're often recruited because you know your role and you're often recruited because you can perform it. So it wasn't about those two things. It was whether you want to decide to actually do it or what, whether you wanted to do your own thing. And that was – it's a bit old school, but that was that was it. And at Richmond's, it's about playing to your strengths – Fighting and celebrating. So celebrate, it become about celebrating with your teammates. It become playing to your strengths. And, and so that's sort of the evolution of the player a little bit, I think, over the course of that 20 years. I think that's probably the easiest way to surmise it. They need to have a connection to the football club and the group. Um, we used to get a connection back in the old days by playing harder and partying harder. Whereas now it's more about working together and celebrating all the little wins on the way through, which is a different way to look at it, but still a very successful way to look at it. How do you think you would have handled the, the modern incarnation of the, the playing experience, Kane? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. With, with age and um, a bit more maturity, I, I, think, I think fine. But it's, look, it's really confronting, um, I would think, to get up there and sort of share your darkest secrets as a 20 year old in front of a in front of the group um, and that's what you know some clubs are doing I would have I would have liked it I think because you know, just, just little things for example Jared like some players like have a laugh and a joke and and muck around before a game uh, but when I played you all had to be so serious and stone face and you got lunatics like my brother running around smashing into brick walls and if he sees someone smiling in the corner of the room he's yelling like that was a sign for him that we weren't switched on like this, this isn't that long ago um and now i'm seeing max scorn run out on the ground and have a laugh and a joke i'm seeing jack higgins in the richmond days addressing the team at three-quarter time and they're all bursting out laughing this is i love that because it's about making the group better and it's about embracing each individual to get – it's only for one thing. It's only to get the best performance out of the playing group because one size doesn't fit all. So I think that's been a massive shift just just watching on it. I think it's been a welcome one. So I listened to your podcast with Dylan Buckley uh, during the week and it feels like there's – a, a deep-seated wish that you'd been able to enjoy it more. Do you mm. think this environment might have actually done that? It might have helped you get through the hang-ups and enjoy it more. A hundred percent. And I and I would have loved to have gone back and really enjoyed the the hour after a game when you when you're exhausted, when you're sore, but you've had a hard-fought win against a good opportunity, a good opposition, and that, that's what you play for. So. 
for me, it was all about what's next. So, you know, I never really enjoyed a, a good win or a good performance because like, oh, who, who am I going to play next week? Who we got? What, 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 how am I feeling? Am I sore? You know, it was just the mind scramble for me was something that I continually battled against. I got better at it as it, as it went on, but this environment would have suited me better to just, just to enjoy it because it, it goes pretty quickly and you don't have a lot of wins. Like in, in foot, there's not a lot of great moments in footy unless you're you know, unless you're Richmond over the last four years, it's there's a lot of toiling away. You know, I speak to Mark Glicksow, it's five losing prelim finals. It's not a lot of fun. And there's only one team that really gets to to love it. So you don't get many moments. I wished I could go back and enjoy, you know, the few great moments that you do have a little bit more. Do you think you would have enjoyed this era as a player, Lepper? One thing that was probably – I obviously was the same year as Kane. Kane's a little bit younger than me. But Lee was a little bit different. And maybe where Lee was advanced, he, he sort of – he made us separate, so we were different. So I was – myself and Mel Michael used to be in one side of the building and then Chris Scott and Brad and a couple of the serious heads used to be, you know, separate a little bit. It was hard because Chris was number 22 and I was number 23, so someone had to go to a different room altogether. But um, but Lee was almost from the final warm-up onwards, he wants to see what Kane's talking about. But before the final warm-up, which would probably be almost 15 or 20 minutes before the, you run out, you need to have that mental, you know, no joke, nothing. So now it's gone not just from the last 20 minutes, it's gone to you can run out on the ground and start dancing around like Max Gorn and, and doing all that sort of stuff. It's it's actually gone out further and further into the game. Um, but, yeah, Lee used to always say to me, be very careful, don't, you know, let your fun go into frivolity. And that was always my balance of not taking it too far. But he was at least accepting of that a little bit, uh, of that part of me. And he also said keep away from Chris and Brad and guys like that before the game because they don't want to see that. Um, you know, a bit like what Kane was saying about um, Chad. You know, he didn't want to mm. see that stuff. So separate him and then we come together at the end and then go out there and and then live the same task. I think you're about to have a win on Fox Footy here, Lepa. Oh, Back in geez. 2014, oh, off the dogs. Can we tape this? <laughs> uh, that was all for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated where uh, wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's Rugged drinkware. Special edition of the trade setup. We're going through the washing machine with Sam Edmund next. Uh, And then we'll set up what's to come tonight the Lions and the Bulldogs. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. They welcome the all new Jeep Compass and its off roading capabilities at Werribee Jeep and Caroline Springs Jeep. And for Red Rooster, Jared, delicious, crunchy new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants, the Rooster's Corn. The award-winning crunch time. Get your dirty linen ready because the washing machine edition of the trade, well, it's really a quasi-trade bell, but we've decided to import it into crunch time at this time of year because there are so many groups of fans eager to see what is going to happen when the buy, swap and sell begins in the AFL immediately post-season. Jared Waitley, Justin Lepich, Kane Corns, and this is Sam Edmonds' stuff here. Sam, set the mm. concept up for us. Well, Jared, I just hope the washing machine actually does spin to some degree because everything you hear from list managers, clubs, player managers, they're all saying the same thing at the moment, and it is at the moment. It's as quiet at this stage as they've ever seen. It's certainly not a seller's market, and players who want out or are struggling at least to get the contract they want at their existing clubs are having a really hard time establishing rival bidders to pressure their existing clubs. So it's a good time, in fact, if you're a, play- a club with players out of contract and you're driving a hard bargain. Only a few clubs have got money. The TPP has shrunk. We know all that. So we know that we hope they're wrong, Jared. We hope we get some real bombs come the trade period this year. So the most critical part of doing the washing is organising 
how are you going to do it? All baskets lined up. What are your categories? Well, you just have those days, especially this time of year, where you need to put it on the heavy-duty cycle. <laughs> this is where you got the big stuff that needs to be washed, Jared. And Adam Chera certainly is a heavy-duty item. So far, given we think Luke Parker more likely stays, he is the biggest fish on the market as we sit here right now. So 22 in October, number five draft pick with four seasons under the belt and a very good user of the ball. Now, so many clubs have been contacted asking the question, which gets back to how we prefaced this conversation. Are you interested in Adam Chera to try to drive up the competition? But his management are chasing, obviously, the best deal, but they're also chasing the best fit. And this is where Carlton is in the box seat for both criteria. Pick six has to be involved at a minimum. The Dockers certainly don't want the Blues to try and split that pick. And then what else is involved? At this point, more likely to be pick swaps and futures, given Sam Petrovsky, seaton Lockie O'Brien and the like. There's no indication Fremantle have an interest there. And they're not exactly banging down the door to leave Carlton either. So at the moment, Adam Chera is in the heavy-duty basket. Mm. Kane, is he is what, he good for Carlton? Yeah. I, I, it's for, What's a draft pick worth to me? Um, and particularly now that is it a, is it a risk not having seen these players play? So you, you've always got the, the one or two up the top that, you know, Dacos, Dacos and, and Jason Horn are, are obviously going to be very good players. But then after that, I, I um, spoke to Cal Toomey from AFL.com on the captain's run yesterday. Um, Sam Darcy's played 10 games in two years. So and it's really difficult for recruiters. So if you're going to trade a top 10 draft pick, probably the time to do that is now for, for a known commodity. So pick six for Cherry, if that's it for Carlton, seems like a win for Carlton to me with the uncertainty that recruiters are facing, just not having seen footy. I mean, some players are going to be picked that the recruiters haven't seen play live. Uh, how long's that happened? So if I was ever going to trade a, a really valuable draft pick, I'd do it this year. Yeah, so on that same premise, that means some late picks might be good value, won't exactly. it? This year, it's going to be the other way around. So the draft could mm. bat a lot deeper. It's maybe a goodie not to have as many top picks and have some have some little things out the back. Is there room for a swooper here with the indecision at Carlton likely yep. to last between 30 and 45 days? I think so. There's no obvious candidate at this point in time, and his management have struggled to establish a firm, keen rival for Carlton. I mean, all signs still point to Carlton, but for sure, absolutely uncertainty would help the situation there for a rival to swoop. Now, there's plenty when it comes to heavy duty, plenty of stains that Sydney have got to sort out at the moment, some real long-lasting stuff as well. Now, to be overplaying it to describe the Swans as Collingwood 2.0, but they are under enormous salary cap pressure. So Luke Parker, Dylan Stevens, Jordan Dawson, Sam Reid and a few others are all trying to be re-signed. Lance Franklin's money can't be moved under restricted free agency rules. So at the moment, player managers, list managers are saying the Swans are really battling to shuffle the deck chairs here and make the pieces fit. So Parker's chasing $700,000 a year for four years. He's 28 years of age. Dylan Stevens is curious. His number five draft pick only two years ago. Plenty of clubs have been asked if they're interested. He has a deal on the table from the Swans, but it hasn't had him doing cartwheels. Jordan Dawson has publicly said he really wants to stay, but that was four, five, six months ago. That hasn't happened. And then there's George Hewitt is the one most likely to leave out of all of them, given the Swans have just shown no inclination whatsoever at this point to start talks on a new contract with him. Now, that could change. He is a restricted free agent, but at the moment, everything points to him making way as part of this squeeze. Hmm. So it's pivotal for them, isn't it? Like, so we've we've loved what Sydney have done, but all of a sudden, if you lose Parker and, and Dawson, there's number one and number three in your best and fairest, and you lose another, they haven't had a, a heap of top 10 draft picks in the past, Dylan Stevens, you, you lose another one there. So 
this Buddy Franklin deal, which we all think is is a success with the way they ha- is it is it finally going to really come back to hurt them, Sam? Well, they're at such an interesting juncture, Jared, and we've spoken about this all because we loved what we've seen, the blend of old and new, and they're just making some real progress, and now they've got this massive hurdle from a list management perspective to, to even give themselves the best chance in the next two to three years. They've got to get through this. Yes. Like the progression's for, for Luke, not linear if you lose a set of players now. Yeah, sorry, for, for, for Luke Parker, for example, he's, pro- he's probably played on unders. I don't know what he's got paid Sam but he's, pro- he's probably been a $500,000 player when yep. he's he's easily better than that like you look at his resume now he's a he's a premiership he's an all Australian he's a three time uh, he's he plays football the you know, the right way doesn't he? he's a good character he's absolutely right to demand 700000 for four years with what he's done in the game um but it's going to be pivotal. So what does he do? Does he does he go for an extra couple of years to somewhere else and, and leave Sydney? I don't know. It's it's they're going to be the club that I'm most interested in in this trade period. Then you got the delicates, Jared, the ones the that you, you put in there. You know that you've really got to put on the gentle cycle. And there's a few items here. So Hawthorne, certainly plenty of whispers around Tom Mitchell at least being open to a trade. Jack Gunston, my understanding is, even though there's been whispers in this space as well, is more inclined to stay than Tom. Do they reset under Sam Mitchell aggressively? Hawthorne want to keep both, is my understanding, on the assumption that, as we said earlier, that big offer is just uh, it just doesn't come this year, but there's no guarantees. Then there's North Melbourne, who made 15 list changes last year, the most of any side. They're on the fast track to rebuilding this list for David Noble. So it's made for some interesting negotiation in, negotiations with their elder statesmen. So Robbie Tarrant wants two years. He's only been given one. Jack Zebel wants two years. He's only been given one. Aaron Hall wanted two years after turning his career around. He had to settle for one. Sean Attlee, he's been told to wait. Tom Campbell, the same. Trent Dumont hasn't signed. He's an unrestricted free agent, and he's in the shop window. He was dropped from the club's leadership group. Essendon's had a sniff here before. He has links to Port Adelaide. Tom Rockliffe is gone. Does he fit in there? So North Melbourne as well, because they're on the fast track. What do they do? We know they've got the number one pick, but they've got some pillars of that side that have been there for so long, and how do they gently make it all work? Because you want to keep them around, but you want to keep them around at your price. The Hawthorne side of things... There, Kane. Where it's in, the Tom Mitchell scenario is really interesting for player and club. I would want to get as many. Um, um, we just spoke about you know picks being um, maybe a fool's gold a little bit this year, but I, I just think that there comes a time where you, you've got to bunch these first round picks together and get just to get as many as you can through the door because there's a big there's a big golf there from from the way that Alistair Clarkson has gone about list management. So that that would be my priority, but it can't be all young. So I think players like Bruce and Gunston and, and Mitchell are going to be really important for these young players. Sam Mitchell's going to want some success, and he's, he's probably going to win, want to win eight games next year. You can't do that if you, if you do what North Melbourne did last offseason and, and get rid of 15 players. So there's a balance there, but absolutely the priority for me if I was Hawthorne is to go through the draft, which is, which is what they've done last year and what they should do for the next couple of years. And the other delicate item in the washing machine is the Geelong T-shirt, Jared. We know how old this T-shirt is, and they've got some young items there. Can they keep them? So can they convince them to stay again? I'm talking to Jordan Clark, Quinton Narkle, Charlie Constable as well, who have all canvassed the thought of leaving in the last 12 to 24 months. Can they be convinced to stay uh, post this year? It will be interesting as well. Any word on Guthrie there? 
I think it gets done. He's, he's managed by his dad, who's very hard to get a hold of, Guthrie Senior. So it's a curious <laughs> setup. But um, I think he stays. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right price. How many people still get managed by their parents? Yeah, I, not many. It's, mm. it's, it's a real thirty years ago type yep. arrangement. That one. Yep. Mm. No, that's that. I think I think he stays. And then you got the soak, the ones that we're just going to have to wait for. Jared, you got to get them under the water, submerge them, and you've just got to be patient to work these ones out. There's a stack of Cohen players in this basket, given they don't have a coach at the moment at the Western Bulldogs. Pat Lipinski's likely to leave, but he's had a three-year deal on the table for some time. At the end of the day, he just wants to, to play. I don't think Carlton's in for him, though. Could it be Collingwood? Sydney have been linked, but we know the Swans' cap issues as well. And then you got Mitch Wallace, who hasn't been able to get a look in as vice-captain. That's just an amazing fall from grace after last year. And Cody Waitman's probably come in and taken that spot, hasn't he? And then you got Sam Wiedemann, who's been monitored by a handful of clubs all year. Could be a case of Tom McDonald repeated here. He could stay. Melbourne could keep him, but it would be on reduced terms if that was to happen. Callum Coleman-Jones, quarter by Gold Coast. Again, this is a soak item, been going on for so long. He has had a two-year deal on the table from Richmond for some time. Hasn't signed, so that one's dragging on. A bit the same for Marby or Chol, who is an unrestricted free agent, can walk whenever he wants. you got Daniel Talia possibly coming into Richmond. Luke Dunstan's looking for a new home. St Kilda won't re-sign him. And Mason Cox as well, looking for a new home. Now, this will be interesting with Craig McRae getting the job. We know he's a big fan. They've got a lot of history together. It's said that he's unlikely to start Collingwood. He's changed management companies and there's been wheels put in motion there to get him a new home. There's no suitor just yet. So do Collingwood offer him a new contract given the coach coming in? Mm, so in that soak cycle is Sam Wiedemann. What's, what does he represent to your eye, Lepper? I like Sam Wiedemann. I was actually at Brisbane when we did the draft that year and I think Sam was a, a bunch of all that, that was a good tools draft where Hip would come out of it and Shaki was an early pick, Wiedering was an early pick. Uh, McKay brothers were in that. So there was a lot of top 15 um, tools in that in that draft, which he was a part of. And uh, he only, think, from memory, played the one game that year. So he had a lot of injuries even way way back then. But the one game he played, geez, he was... He's electric. So as a, as a young, uh, when, when I was going through just the recruiting tapes, he was excellent. Um, he just hasn't had a crack at it yet. He hasn't sort of ha- been able to put the years together. But if you talk on just basic form for the, for the age he is, he's a, he could be a, a really good player. Um, it just hasn't been realised right now. And we haven't been able to see it either, given the, the disruptions to the VFL clubs just unsure. Well, then, that's, that's the other thing too. Yeah. There's so many disruptions to the VFL form, the under-18s, the, the the salary cap now. So clubs have to make decisions maybe they don't want to make. Mm. Um, so there's so many factors in this year that there hasn't been in other years. Don't know about you, Jerry, but I'm a big fan of the express wash, the 15-minute <laughs> cycle. I just can't be <laughs> yes. buggered waiting for the 45 minutes. So these are the ones we think will get done sooner rather than later. Jacob Hopper at GWS. His season ended last night. Now, you can't say it's 100% yet. Everything does point to him staying on a new two-year contract, but it's not locked in. But we think it happens sooner rather than later. Jack Billings is the same. Hasn't got the contract he would have absolutely wanted on the open market. So it's less money to stay at Moorabbin, but that's always been his preference. So it's four years and he's keen to stay. Braden Maynard, he was putting off extending given the uncertainty on the coach. Now that that's done, and Graham Wright did come out about this last week, he's contract for next year. But he does want to stay. He just wanted the picture to become clearer there. Scott Pendle staying, of course, that will get done as well. So they're the ones that we think will happen sooner rather than later. In I the feel spins. like if someone made a real rush at Billings, he's shakeable. 
Yeah, absolutely is, but it hasn't happened. Yeah. It just hasn't happened. For, for the reasons that we mentioned, it's it's not a seller's market. The money's not there. And maybe Jack Billings, from a couple of years ago where he had that breakout season, if he actually kicked accurately, he probably would have been All-Australian. He's come back to the field since then. Have you got a closing word on the spin cycle there, Kane? I just want to know, uh, Collingwood more, are they more in a holding pattern, do you reckon, Sandler? I keep hearing salary cap pressure, which is almost hard to believe. But what will their priorities be, obviously, to get enough points for Dacos? But is, is that about it? Just pretty... Pretty I think so. There? I think it's a it's a, a stagnated sort of a year. That's probably a better term to not the greatest term to use. But they do have to make up significant points on Nick Dacos, or they go into deficit for next year. Graham Wright did term it a hangover of sorts from the salary cap from last year. So I think it's more of a a consolidation year. That's probably the word I'm, I'm looking at on that player movement front for Collingwood. Do you th- so we're excluding Leper from this conversation, Kane? Do you think? there's a case to trade one asset which would make them materially weaker next year for the long term? Um, so that's a, that would be a, a, a Maynard, a Dugowie, a Grundy mm. type. Yeah. Is there probably, a case for that? Um, I, I just liked pro, – Dugowie's probably the obvious one, but I liked what I saw. And and to see, you know, now a bit freer off the field perhaps with, with those issues seemingly going away and seeing what Jake Stringer did, I think Dugowie is capable of that. So he could be one that if he did trade could come back to get you. So maybe not. I'm, I'm probably going in um, as they were and, and hoping for some improvement from beyond and hoping that your best players like Moore and these guys come through with a full season with injury. All right. Hopefully that inspires you to do the washing this <laughs> afternoon. It looks like a reasonable drying day outside, <laughs> I must say. Uh, let's check in with Paul Sebastiani for Bet Deluxe to set up the footy tonight and then the races. G'day, Paul. Very good afternoon to you, Jared. Yeah, the Brisbane Lions and the Bulldogs head-to-head tonight at the Gabba. Money for the Lions at betdeluxe.com.au. $1.61 at the head-to-head. The Bulldogs, $2.36. And the money at the line for the Lions, they're minus 8.5. They've been $1.90 into $1.87 with Bet Deluxe. The plus 8.5 for the Doggies is at $1.92. On the top goal scorer markets, Charlie Cameron leads that. Uh, he's a $3.50 elect there, and there's been good money for him to lead the goals. And you mentioned, Jared. Spring racing is in the air now. Fian Stakes, the Cox Plate qualifier at Mooney Valley. Race 8, number 11, Elephant, has been the best back with betdeluxe.com.au. It's been $5 into $4.60. And Zaki, the Cox Plate favourite, resumed as well. He's a $2.40 elected Randwick. So those are the best back runners today with betdeluxe.com.au, Jared. Terrific, Paul. Good on you. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. As a caller, if Elephant becomes a star of the turf, there is just so much fun to be had on that front. We'll preview tonight the Lions and the Dogs with Justin Lepich and Kane Corns next. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline's Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, it's available at Selected. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. Uh, yeah, we have in the past uh, done a little bit of that with Brisbane, in particular um, Lockie Neal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an important tactical consideration. We'll, we'll have a think about it. As you know, there's some depth through our midfield who, who work through there, and so you're weighing up how much that disrupts what you want to execute and how much benefit you're going to get from it. And obviously, as you know, we did sit on 
Darcy Parrish in that second half and it, and it, it seemed to work pretty well for us. Do we go small and play Kadeen Coleman up there? Do we move Marcus Adams out of the back line uh, because he's had experience playing forward? He's played forward for us before and he's played forward in AFL footy and as a, as a waffle player. Uh, you know, do we leave Jared Berry there because uh, he, he didn't do a bad job last week? And they've been the, the topics of conversation uh, this week uh, and obviously around the way we structure our forward line up. The Harley Heaven rev up for Harley Heaven, still your home of Harley Davidson during lockdown, harleyheaven.com.au. It takes us to tonight and all the questions that sit in the Lions and Bulldogs camp before they meet at the Gabba. Justin Lepich and Kane Corn. So, Lepper, you declared who tags first wins. That's and it, it is in everyone's mind. And, and both clubs are talking about it, aren't they? So they're <laughs> thinking about it. It's just there in the recesses. Libba and Rocky Neal, the, the, both the distributors for both of the footy clubs that, uh, oh, Kane, we love in this conversation, won't he? Oh, I love it. Oh, <laughs> the tag is going to win. Who would have thought we're, gonna, we're talking about a tag potentially being the difference in a game of footy? <laughs> Unbelievable. But someone's got to stop the dog's handball game. That's, that's the bit for me. So Brisbane have to put more thought into it, I think, than the other way around. I mean, Lockie Neal doesn't have the bang for buck per possession as in as in score involvements, I think, than, than Libba does. So he can get 38 and potentially not hurt you as much, um, I think, than, than what Libba can. So I'd be conscious of maybe curbing, whether they aligns just goes head-to-head, Kane. I don't know what you, which way they do it, or do they just assign a berry that runs with him all over the field, or is it just a stoppage tag? That, that's, where, mm. that's where the differences might be. Yeah, probably a, a stoppage one for Libby. Not necessarily as worried about his, his stuff around the ground, but that's that's where it all starts. You, I mean, Neil's the. You're right though. Forty six last week, and and they lose convincingly. So you know, your your point is spot on. Although I think he has got better at using his leg a little bit more and and scoring. But I just can't remember a better collective midfield matchup than this. So if, if last night's final, we we probably all felt was going to be reasonably one sided. This one. Seems as though it's going to be a bit closer, particularly with Brisbane's outs and how they do, as you heard with Chris Fagan's structure up their forward line. But just two great midfields, some of the best in the competition going at it today, and and that will absolutely be the difference. What are the Western Bulldogs doing the ruck? Can they get anything going from there? How do they use Tim English? And then who you know does Bont fire up? You know, I haven't really seen him fire up significantly for for five weeks. He's he's probably due as well. So. Yeah, as much as we can talk about Libra, I still think one of the best players on the planet is Marcus Bontempelli. If he plays well, the Dogs can win. Got a leaning? Oh, I want to say Brisbane, but it's yeah. so it's so hard to pick. And I probably went to Geelong off the back of also that we always fall for this trick every week with the semi-finalists yeah. and the and the team that loses the the, the week prior and the team that wins. But um, I guess my one concern for Brisbane is the is the Ford fifty. Um, I'm not sure which way they're going to go tonight. It looks like they've brought Payne in, and, and he played reserves as a forward, so it makes me think they're just going to just bring Payne in, who's not a noted forward at AFL level. So. Would you rather go Joe? I think Joe Dano has to play a bit more of a mature game tonight and, and be play a little bit more like Charlie Dixon. You stand and deliver guy, get the arm up, bring the ball to ground, you know, make it really difficult for the opposition. I don't know if that's in, in his DNA to be able to, to do that, Joe, but um, but they have to give uh, Charlie Cameron that opportunity, I think, at ground level and some of their smalls like Bailey and so forth because Lincoln McCarthy, because they're the ones that will kick the score for the Lions, not their tools. Kane, what's going on in the sandful today? Oh, unbelievable. So my team, Glenelg, uh, Jared, they are 17-0. and zero. So this is the last home and away game of the year. They're looking to go undefeated all year. They're playing against Port Adelaide, but Port Adelaide have called in Sam Pepper. They've called in Mitch Georgiades, Hamish Hartlett, and there's about three or four other AFL, good AFL-listed players 
trying to ruin my team going 18 and 0, Jared. So th- this just hasn't happened. Oh, we haven't had a team go through undefeated. I think it's since 1926. But Port Adelaide have loaded up, and it's an important <laughs> game for, like, Georgia. If he kicks five Georgiades, well, what does Ken Hinckley do yeah. next week with Marshall and, and Hartlett's in and around? He's, an, he's you know, a vice-captain of the club. So, yeah, fascinating day happening in the Sample over here today. All eyes on Glenelg and Port Adelaide. And Sam, have you got a name for the footy department boss at the Suns? I think Wayne Campbell's going to be the man, Jared. Now, I say going to be. He's the raging favourite at, at the moment. It's too strong to say that it's his job if he wants it but he's the likely candidate here. He's based in Sydney. He's got his family in Sydney, so there's some considerations there from a personal perspective. We know he less GWS with the year to run on his contract in, at the end of 19, but I think if the Suns had a preference, it's going to be Wayne Campbell. Great crunching. Enjoy your afternoon. Thanks, Jude. The footy you tonight from the Gabba, the Lions and the Bulldogs. Crunch time for the Western Auto Group. Elevate your adventures with the new Jeep Compass. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.